0: The truck! You
1: are listening to What the
2: Truck!
1: Are you ready to truck it? welcome to your Nooner with Dooner Friday. You made it. Finally. Finally. You know what? I was so busy this week, I didn't get a chance to thank... My friends over at Averitt—they left this goodie bag when uh, they were here on Monday, and I just found it under my desk. So thank you guys very much. I'm gonna see what's inside here. Awesome water bottle. Can always use another one of these. If you've seen my cupboard, like if you're in logistics long enough, especially in a position like this, your entire cupboard becomes like uh, swag from companies. Bottles like this, and all my shirts are like freight company uh, shirts. My wife thinks I'm crazy. She also counted my hats. I have 125 now. Speaking of hats, shout out to Big Rig Tees. Best hats in the business right here snowman hat. Go to bigrigtees.com. Go get yourself one. That's uh, Alex Mize brand. What is this? It's got like styrofoam on it. Oh, it's a truck. It's another truck for the desk over here. Favorite express truck. And it's kind of like a bobblehead truck. Pretty slick. Where can I put this for now? I'll put it on top of show Motion. I'm running out of space. i got to put those shelves up. And I think, ooh, got a moleskin book. Wife's going to love this one. Thank you guys so much at Averitt. I really uh, I really appreciate it. Shout-out to Big Rig one more time. Also, shout-out to Jamie Hagan. He was just on the show. And, look, football is coming back. You might have saw preseason last night. If you're a real fan, you're sitting there in the second quarter in a 5-2 to two Eagles-Browns game and enjoying yourself like I was with Jamie Hagan. He brought the playbooks over to the Minnesota Vikings. Hopefully they can have a Super Bowl run. One of our trucking friends on there. And one other piece of business to get to here. Take a look at this tape. I want to put the fear of God in you, and that's why I'm showing it. Do you want to know why I show that? Because CVSA Safety Week starts next week. It's the 20th to the 26th of August. This year, they're going to be paying extra special attention to lining and pad violations. Don't be this guy going through an intersection like that. In 2022, 13.3% of trucks were put out of service for violations during Brake Safety Week. So get on top of that. Anyways, we got a lot of guests on today. So let's start getting to the show. On today's episode of What the Truck, I'm talking to industry consultant Bart DeMunk about the fallout from yellow bankruptcy and what it means for the industry as well as Who's paying for it now? Some deal talk going on. Well, let's talk about the health of Freight Tech and a few other things. If you know Bart, you know he's an amazing industry advisor. We've got Highway Angel John Adams. He was on the show. He saved four motorists who got into a wreck. He's going to stop by and tell us all about the story that led to him getting that great designation. We have a why Louie Pog here? He's talking about speed limiters. Uh, we're going to get into the truck parking problem that led to a Greyhound crash. We're going to talk uh, maybe a little bit about a DOT scam that's going on and whenever other issues are ailing you drivers out there. Motives Hamish Woodrow, he's breaking down the freight recession, truck visits to retail warehouses down, carrier exits and more, all from the month of July. We'll look at what the date is telling us and hey, what that means for the future. Got a whole lot more, so let's tip the band and we'll get into it. You may think of AIT Worldwide Logistics as an average U.S. forwarder, but in the past decade, they've evolved to become a global logistics powerhouse. Today, AIT is customizing supply chain solutions for multinational Fortune 500 companies shipping between Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and North America. Despite the company's exponential growth they're still the experts when it comes to creating tailored plans that fulfill your supply chain requirements find out how your business can benefit from logistics pros at aitworldwide.com but now let's bring on louis louis pug executive vice president over at o-o-i-d-a what is up sir Hey, not much, buddy.
0: It's Pew, actually, not Pug. But that's what my drill sergeant called me back in the Army. It was Private Pug.
1: <laughs> I, I have a knack for mispronouncing any word that I've never heard out loud before. And I uh, I just kill it at that. That's like my specialty. That's why I make the big bucks.
0: Oh, It's all right. Like I said, it made me laugh. I haven't heard that for a while. But like I said, when I was in basic training, I was Private Pug the entire time. And you know, when you're in basic training, you don't even argue.
1: <laughs> you know, Mr. Mi- Mr. Pug, I have not had you. I've had a lot of Awaita people on the show. I do not think I've had you on the show before. You just told us a little bit about your background. But for those who've never met you, let's let's set the table here. What are you all about? Um. Well,
0: I'm all about trucking. I mean, I love trucks. I, I jokingly say, but it's sort of the truth. I wanted to be a trucker ever since I saw Smokey and the Bandit in the movie theater as a little kid. And uh, so I graduated high school, grew up on a farm, graduated high school, went to the Army, and then started trucking and bought my own truck at 22 and was an owner-operator for almost 25 years, two and a half million miles of safe driving. And then in I got on the board here at OIDA in 2004, and I've served ever since and was elected to executive vice president in 2018. And I came in here in the office, and as I jokingly say, I'm trying to learn how to drive a desk now instead of drive a truck. And my main mission and thing I do here at OIDA is advocacy and membership stuff, but I spend a lot of time Traveling to DC and other places. In fact, I'll be at CVSA here in a few weeks representing small business truckers and OIDA.
1: Let's start there. So, break safety week. What do do we got to know? I kind of gave some stats on that, but obviously a huge critical issue. Nobody wants to get into a nuclear verdict or an accident, or God forbid, kill somebody out on the road. That's coming up. What should drivers know?
0: Uh, Mainly, make sure your stuff's good. Check your equipment. This is a little different than what their normal safe seventy-two hour blitz is. They they're supposed to use this to gather information, but also to reach out to trucking and, and kind of help truckers understand what they're looking for and stuff like that. I'm not saying that's what always happens on roadside, but it'd be a good thing to you know make sure you give you you should always be checking your brakes, and most professionals and other operators are, but. Give an extra look-see. Check those hoses and lines. Make sure you have no chafing. That's another thing they look for a lot. And make sure all your lines are, you know, attached solidly. They're not in under there moving around or rubbing against each other as
1: well. Smart moves. Now, when you started, and I like that you mentioned smoky, And the bandit inspiring because I always rail on here and I'm like, man, it's been like generations since we've had a movie that has made trucking cool and made it someone want to truck. Instead, like drivers are usually like an archetypal serial killer or something. But I got to ask you, would you have wanted to become a truck driver if speed limiters were in play on all trucks? What's your position on speed limiters?
0: No, I would have not want to have been. In fact, yeah, I, I, we have a truck and. And I brought it back, and we've had that change since. But it was speed limited, and it was I brought it back from Reno, and it was kind of miserable because every time you wanted to try to pass somebody, it was you had to debate: Do I get out there and hold up traffic because I can go a mile per hour faster, or do I just slow down and sit back here and follow? And that was in states of the West, and you no, know, I mean. We all know what's going to happen. It's all safer when every road, everybody's going the same speed, but we know what's going to happen. If they would do this, it's going to create way more traffic, way more congestion, way more aggressive driving by four wheelers, a lot more hate of trucks, and probably there's going to be a lot more rear end collisions and there's going to be a lot more hits where cars cut in too quick because they're mad at the truck and they're just going to cut over to try to be a smart aleck and then, you know, bad things happen, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I do wonder if, like, these legislators sometimes, if they do drive on our highways, because... I just know, like, everybody knows when you're stuck behind a truck and it's going too slow, you want to get around it. You're looking for that outlet to get around it. And sometimes emotion and frustration takes over, and people make stupid decisions to get around trucks and speed limiters. Like you're saying, I think that's only going to exacerbate that. You know, a big part of driving is is speed, but it's also the ability to be out of the way and get out of people's way. And if you have traffic that's moving at one speed, then you have trucks going 60, 65 miles an hour, rather us going 80. Aren't you going to have a lot more highway interactions?
0: Yeah, exactly. In fact, somewhere I read, I, for the, oh, yeah, right here there's going to be 227% more highway interactions between cars and trucks if this happens. And, you know, anybody that's driven truck very long at all, you always have these people that they cut you, they want to pass you a hundred feet before the exit ramp and they cut back across in front of you. And that's just going to get worse. And, and, and you know, You're right. It's funny because when I go to Capitol Hill and talk with our DC guys, and I I say to lawmakers, have you ever, when you go back home or you drive around your district and you get on the interstate, do you ever get behind two trucks and it takes them 10 miles? for one of them to pass the other one and they're like oh yeah that's so irritating and blah 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 and i said if you pass if this law would become a law prepare to be irritated all the time because those drivers can't help it this is a driver management tool that's all it is some fleets use it some fleets don't that should be a fleet choice but to make this a national law i mean We've proven time and time again that traffic's safer when they all move the same speeds. We're down to like seven states now that have split speed limits. Everybody else, you know, including my my personal state of Ohio, they've gotten the speed limits where everybody's running the same. And we've heard speeds as low as 60 mile an hour. Can we imagine in states where the speed limit's 75 and 80, but yet a truck's only going to be going 60? What's going to happen
1: yeah no it's it's so is there a solution like obviously the legislatures in some way they want to prevent road accidents they want to prevent fatalities what should they be doing here how do they address this properly
0: funny you should ask that question <laughs> <laughs> There is a solution at OOIDA, and we have been working on. In fact, we have two bills uh, in Congress right now one in the House and one in the Senate. It's 3039 on the House side, 2671 on the Senate side. Now, the easiest way for people to remember this is if you go to fightingfortruckers.com. Again, it's fightingfortruckers.com. That's OOIDA's government affairs website. You can go on that website. You can see what the bill numbers are. And, in fact, you can reach contact your lawmakers right off that thing, off that website. The good thing about this is if these laws would pass, it will stop this from happening. Because what's going on with speed limiters, for those who don't know, the American Trucking Association, along with some safety advocates, they petitioned FMCSA to make a speed limiter rule or a mandate. So the only way we can stop this is through Congress, and they can order a stop. So that's why OIDA worked with representatives both on the House and the Senate, Beecham from Oklahoma on the House side and Danes on the Senate side from Montana, and they have introduced these bills. If we can pass these bills, then FMCSA can't do it. It is the long and short of it, but you need to reach out to your lawmakers fighting for truckers, is an easy, very easy place, quick and easy. In fact, what I always tell people, you can go on fighting for truckers. You can message a lawmaker about something like this, who can possibly do something if they're willing to, to change it as fast as you can go on social media and put a post complaining about it where nobody's going to do anything about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of belly aching on, uh, on social media. But, yeah, you do, have to, you do have to do another step there. You can't just, you know, hit send tweet and expect that to change the universe. Although you never know who's reading those things. Now, but some laws it and some laws take it away. Speed limit could take away your, your ability to go fast. But in Washington, SHB 1457 gave drivers the right to use the bathroom when they're making a delivery. Is this a good law? Should it be a national model?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a great law. In fact, we, along with the, and I mean Washington Trucking Association, Sherry Copper, a great lady, runs that. Good friend of small business truckers and 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 trucking until they led this. We helped them. Um, I I testified, A one of my board of directors testified about this, some other truckers. But yeah, this all started in Washington. Mainly it started out of necessity to port drivers because the port facilities where most truckers know if you go there, it seems like you spend your life there. They, They weren't letting drivers use the restroom. So we got it on the port side first and turned around and then went to try to get it for all shippers and receivers. Congressman Nell's has since introduced the bill here on a federal level. And Congressman Nell is another good friend of truckers. And and yes, I never thought it's kind of crazy that I would have to be, you know, lobbying for bathrooms, for lack of better terms, or re- right to people use the restroom. But with COVID and stuff, things have got, got so crazy. And, and and this isn't legislation to where shippers have to build bathrooms or, or anything like this. All this amounts to is if they have a restroom on their facility, they have to allow truckers to use them. You know, they want you to get their stuff there. A lot of times you have to push. And with ELDs and the non-flexibility that we have in hours of service, unfortunately, a lot of times you don't have time to stop to take care of life's call. So
1: you at least ought to be able to take care of it when you get to your destination to
0: deliver the goods.
1: Now. This is one of those things that you, you feel like it wouldn't be very partisan among drivers. But there's a lot that, like, when this law came out, A, they, they said, like, well, I, it's government overreach. But there were a lot who said, well, we're just going to ruin it for ourselves. We're just going to be slobs. Have you seen truck stop bathrooms? Have you seen truck stop parking lots? What would you like to say to those drivers who, who don't think that they need this help?
0: <laughs> I, I've gotten lots of those calls and lots of those. Right. So <laughs> I hear it a lot. You an <laughs> You're right. We have to police ourselves. But you know what I say to them? There are truck drivers out there that don't do the right thing, and we all know that. There's people in every field that don't do the right thing and don't take care of things. But to be perfectly honest with you, go to a Walmart or go to a gas station or go anywhere where truckers can't get into Their bathrooms and their stuff gets trashed, too. So I don't think it's necessarily a truck driver. This is a truck driver issue. This is a societal issue. And society, unfortunately, in a lot of ways... And I'm not trying to be on a soapbox. We've lost respect for each other and common and, and Curtis. I mean, fly on an airplane somewhere, right? And I fly a lot for work. It's crazy to me since we've come back how rude people have gotten on planes and stuff. And we've lost that as a society. And we need to get that back. And that's up to each and every one of us. So that's what I say to people. You're right. Truckers can ruin. And I've seen it in my career where truckers trash things and they shouldn't have. But again, that's not just truckers. That's society. So as truckers, let's do better. I challenge you. Let's do better, truckers. Let's set a goal for everybody.
1: I can give a little cab out of that. Absolutely. Absolutely, for that one. Now, let me. Now, this is. It's really unfortunate that sometimes a, ma- a major incident has to happen and, and people have to die. But there was this Greyhound wreck that was near St. Louis. It killed three of 22 bus passengers, left 14 other people, including the driver, injured. What happened is a truck stopped on the side of the road, could not find parking. The Greyhound hits it. There's this big uh, accident here, where that led to those deaths. But now it's actually maybe pushing forward some legislation. What's happening on the parking front?
0: Yeah, and I mean, first and foremost, what an unfortunate thing for everyone involved, the truck driver, the bus driver, and and especially the families who lost loved ones. It's just, what a terrible, terrible thing. But yes, of course, I'm sure you're well aware. Parking's a big thing to OIDA. It's something we've been pushing for for the entire time. I've been a part of the board, I jokingly say, but it's the truth. My first trip to Washington, D.C., just as a truck driver and a board member back in 2004 or five. Was about truck parking, and I've been going there ever since. It's just crazy, and the amount of studies and research boards and everything that I've been a part of in my career with this stuff is just nuts. But we got legislation, the Truck Parking Safety um, Act. It's been out a couple years, and I think it's been through one thing of Congress, maybe two. But it's out there again. It's HR twenty three sixty seven and Senate Bill ten thirty four. Again, this can be found on fighting for truckers. Good thing is the House odds already went through committee, T&I, and it's on the House floor waiting to either be attached to another bill or to be a standalone bill and get a full House vote. The Senate bill is still moving through committee, but we think it's going to get through. What we need is drivers, one, pick up the phones or re- get on fighting for truckers, send letters to get support get them to vote for this the good thing is two good things here especially in today's political climate these are both bipartisan bills being both republicans and democrats are on board and both the, the senate and the house bill the language in both bills mirror each other nobody's wanting special projects or anything in one or the other so if we can get the senate through they should pass i mean This is like Moses parting the Red Sea to get two bills bipartisan with mere language through House and Senate today. But again, it's H.R. 2367, Senate Bill 1034. Fighting for Truckers is where you can go to read about it and to get information to your elected officials.
1: Wow, stand there with your stone tablets and, and part that sea, Louie. Now, before I let you go, there's something I, I want to touch on. We're a little short on time in the segment, but there's a uh, load board fraud is out of control. Every day I hear someone new reporting it. There's a DOT number jacking scam going on. I covered it in my newsletter about a month ago. I know you guys have wrote about it. But just real quick, what do we have to look out for here? Hey. What I do is this is huge, and the first
0: and foremost is FMCSA needs to get off their butts and come out with this notice of proposed rulemaking on the broker transparency three seventy one point three law. OIDA sent a letter to FMCSA, in fact, yesterday, saying, "Hey guys, you told us you're coming out with this in June. This broker fraud is running crazy. Uh, truckers are getting ripped off." You need to do something and do it quickly. Quit kicking this can down the road. But right now, what truckers need to do, make sure you're working for people that you know. Make sure you're working for people that you trust. If you see a load out there that's too good to be true, then it probably is too good to be true. If you see a load on a general load board that is a, with a carrier that you know who they are or somebody you work with, call that carrier just to verify who they are. Because unfortunately, we're seeing lots of this happening and. And also, there's lots of phishing scams going on out there. Don't give brokers you don't know your driver's license. Do not give them any kind of passwords, security. We've heard where guys have said, hey, I'm with broker XYZ. I can't find you in here. Will you give me your account number, username? And don't do these things. Hmm. There is so much scam. Just treat it like the internet fraud and the credit fraud and all these other things you've been hearing about and we've worked with for past years. If it sounds fishy, you know, give a smell test. If you've got a question, call in here to my compliance department. Let them look at it before you commit or submit anything. They're pretty good at fishing out scams and knowing what's going on. But, and the last thing I'll say, if you're out there running broker boards, and it's nothing against the big public boards, but that's where these scammers are, you're probably better off to use carrier-owned or broker-owned boards that just they own right now until we get this all worked out.
1: It's a little safer. You got to protect yourself out there. Hey, thanks for fighting the good fight. Thanks for sharing us all this information. No shortage of uh, driver and carrier issues out there, but uh, you guys are working on them. So, hey, Louis, thank you so much.
0: Hey, thanks for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. And hey, I'm going to get you a real nice truck to put on your desk there. I see you need a no auto truck, so I'll get that over to you. I promise.
1: I'll be looking at the mailbox. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Meanwhile, RDC World One posted on his visit from his UPS driver.
3: Right here. There you go, sir. Who are you? You pissed, man. What's wrong with your arm? Oh, sh- Nothing, really. What, what's up? Why are you dressed like this? Like what? A Dior shirt? A chain? Is that Cartier's? Oh, this little sh**, man. Nah, man. Are you wearing Cartier's? Nah, I'm not wearing no Cartier. This is sh**. in here. Chill out, bro. Where is your truck at? My truck? Yo, UPS truck. Oh uh, man, I let that little s*** sh- one got me a Lambo real quick, fresh out the lot. I drove it straight over here. I almost forgot your boxes, ripped. silly me. You bought a Lambo off the lot, bro. How much is UPS pay all yo? You ain't heard the news? Breaking news, shocking news. What news? They just start paying UPS men a little bit over a buck fifty. You know what I'm saying? So I just been doing my thing. Hold on, my phone. I think ring. Re- what the? I, that is not my phone. That's that's ten thousand dollars, bro. What the? F- going
1: on man chill up i know that's not your first time love it all right john adams highway angel is here with us now john what is up man hey first of all a little cowbell for saving a little lives on the road congratulations dude
4: (laughs) thank you thank you yeah i I could totally see myself uh if i work for ups having to uh explain that lambo i had to buy for uh company purposes (laughs) you know to the irs so does you that know, look yeah. attractive?
1: When you, when you uh, saw that UBS thing, are you uh, maybe thinking of switching to switch <laughs> a brown jersey?
4: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in a lease purchase contract right now, so I got another year and a half, and I'll own the pink slip. But, uh, you know, I've definitely said something to the wife about that $49 an hour that they're offering, That's that's definitely looking tasty for sure,
1: yeah. Will, will they let <laughs> you put uh, Boba Fett on the side of a uh, UPS truck, though? I've seen your truck, man. What's, no. with, the, what's with the Boba love?
4: You know, I've, I've just been a nerd my whole life. I love Marvel. I love Star Wars. I love Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. I love it all. And, uh, prime is one of the few companies that allows you to put some stuff on your truck to kind of personalize it, make you proud of what you're driving, what you own, you know, proud of your home. And, uh, they allow like, uh, I think it's like 50% if you're a regular lease, cause they got to take it off. But if you're an owner operator, you can do a hundred percent. So when I bought the truck, I was like, well, it's my first time buying a truck. I think I'll I think I'll go a little extreme. So I, I paid for it, and the wife was a little mad. She's like, it's a $5,000 sticker. But, you know, it really changed trucking for me. Everyone's uh, talking about it, and I get a lot of smiles on the road and a lot of arm pumps from kids. So, you know, it, it's it's good
1: times. Yeah, A, a, small, a small price to pay. I, I would say it's a small price <laughs> yeah, to pay. Yeah. And, yeah. Hey, it helps market the truck. How long have you been driving for now? uh
4: two and a half years i'm still considered a newer trucker um i'm not new in prime standards prime definitely deals with a lot of new people but uh, uh yeah about two and a half years i've been going i'm getting close to three years so yeah
1: so we have this tape of the incident of when this happened to walk us through this roll the tape and tell us what what happened here where, where were you and what was going on So I was in Kentucky.
4: Um, it was about a month ago. I don't remember the exact GPS location anymore. Um, but I was rolling around. We just got done dealing with like 30 minutes of just bumper to bumper construction. Finally, you know, it was like, let the races go. Everyone's finally able to speed up and get going. And then all of a sudden this car just starts doing flips in front of me. And I I was shocked to see that. And, uh, first thing I was like, Oh, let's not be part of this accident at all. But, um, then I started thinking, well, I, I need to pull over and help this out, you know. And unfortunately, in today's times with trucking, you know, a thought always crosses your head. Do I have enough time to help these people out? And it's really oh. sad that that'll come across your head. But uh, I pulled over, called 911. My Garmin GPS, the trucking GPS I have, knows exactly the mile marker I got. I uh, told them exactly where I'm at, and I rendered A, and a couple people were already out of the vehicle. I ended up having to pull a guy out. And then eventually we were worried about um, the car starting on fire. So uh, the guy asked me, he can't walk, he's he's got broken bones everywhere. Ooh. Can I pick him up? So I just picked him up and walked him over to the highway, got him away from a possible fire. So,
1: wow, is is this? So you've been driving for two and a half years, but is this the worst accident you've you've come across?
4: Uh, no. Um, you know if you're on the road like me you see accidents almost daily uh i've seen worse i've seen deaths um i've but by those accidents you know you're usually coming up on them five ten minutes after it happened and people don't walk away from some of those accidents um but this one everyone walked away everyone survived just a lot of trauma a lot of head trauma seatbelt injuries things like that so everyone was very lucky and uh very fortunate it's it's not the worst but it was definitely the most exciting and you know my Garmin uh camera captured it so it kind of um, made this more popular than it probably could have been but uh I was I was there to help and I was glad I was there to help so
1: Yeah have have you heard from the passengers of that car since this incident No uh funny I've not
4: heard anything about what happened to them I don't know their names and none of that um I did give police dash cam footage, and then my company ended up um, – one of my buddies saw I made the TikTok, the one that they're showing, and uh, he showed Prime that, and their department was like, dude, you like need to go get this submitted to Highway Angel, and I didn't even know what that is. Um, so when I received the reward, and I really did a lot of background, I was very proud to know that there's a program out there to you know, reward drivers for – doing these courageous acts. Um, there are a lot more courageous acts than what I did. I didn't think mine was that big, but other people are really out there saving lives. And I'm glad there's a program out there recognizing those drivers because they deserve it. I mean, it's very easy to just keep on driving and, and, you know, not make it a, a part of your day.
1: No, you did you did the right thing, especially like when you, when you see the accident, you see that car flip. It's like I think it's just instinct to almost stop because it's that that just looks bad. What am I doing? Yeah. Like I'll call nine one one, but I got to see how these these people are. What happens? Like, what do you get from Highway Angel for being a Highway Angel?
4: So, um, they, they award about a hundred people a year throughout the 365 days. You get, uh, you get a patch for your jacket. Cause, uh, companies like prime, they have like a company jacket with, you know, how many years of on time or million milers, things like that. So you can add a patch to that jacket. If you want, you get us, um, two stickers for your truck. So I'll end up adding them to my truck when I get them. And, um, they give you a certificate and stuff like that. And um, I also had a lot of interviews um, because news stations wanted to talk to me, which was cool. So um, you are eligible for a yearly, which would be cool if I win, but you know, again, I don't think I'm deserving. Um, but if you do win the yearly, it's it's a bigger thing. It's a suit and tie thing. I think last year was in Tallahassee, Florida. And um, you just, you know, you're celebrated for your accomplishment. Is so the yearly one is really the big one. You get a big trophy, and they really go go all out for that one. So,
1: Well I mean, I bet when Bobo Fair was year. you know getting digested slowly in the <laughs> Sarlacc pit, he never thought that the world's most feared bounty hunter would also be <laughs> a highway angel. It's pretty pretty awesome stuff.
4: Well, hey, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm a humorous guy. So when I was creating my company, my LLC, and then I was going through all this, I was like, well, you know, a truck driver is kind of like a bounty hunter. You're going out there looking for loads, and you're looking for the best loads. So that's kind of what I was going with. But, you know, I, I'm just, I'm a goofy guy.
1: Well, hey, man, I I love it. I love this story. Before I let you go, though, you did say you're with Prime, and there have been some stories, some rumors in the news about Prime. One was that they cut 400 trucks. Another was that they're adding cameras to all trucks. Is is that something that you've personally seen?
4: Yeah, so they are definitely going to be adding cameras to all trucks. It's in what they would call a pilot program. Um, Prime is... Uh, researching what camera company they want to use so they have different models on trucks right now and they're only on company trucks but they are moving them to uh, lease operators and lease purchase eventually Um, there was a lot of uh, talk about it because a lot of drivers don't want cameras they're moving to like a outward facing camera but then they're going to probably have like a magic eyeball like watching the driver nothing that they can record but It will notice if you're on your phone, if you're not using your seatbelt, things like that. So, you know, I had some issues with that. Um, I disagreed with some of it on my truck. I went and talked to uh, some of the managers and they assured me, you know, they're still going to be behind drivers who do the right thing and things like that. So that felt good. Um, And then I know uh, recently during one of the Friday morning meetings, uh, Robert Lowe, our, our owner, he ended up mentioning that they're cutting 400 drivers from prime and i know um the way he said it it can be interpreted a couple different ways but i've already known what's been happening for a while by talking to dennis davis and the other high executive managers there at prime what they did was is they just stopped hiring for the most part Um, Mm -hmm. when you're in a large mega fleet people just quit for whatever reason you know they're unhappy They're not making enough money. And this last first quarter was brutal for everybody. I I bet you more people quit the trucking industry in the first quarter um, than in the last 20 years um, because of how bad the economy was. So Prime saw that uh, there's, you know, a lot of hurting going on in these lanes and and they're struggling. Um, People are struggling to make money and paychecks. So they kind of put a hiring freeze on. And, um, you know, instead of replacing people that would quit, they just let them fall off and uh, just over time over six months of time for maybe even higher 500 trucks um, they just didn't rehire people you know they'll get back to those numbers but they're protecting us out there the people that are trying to to stay out there and we're still drinking the prime kool-aid you know i call it and we're working hard and and doing what we're supposed to do and they're protecting our paychecks and and i really appreciate them for that so They'll, they'll get those numbers back up. It's, it's nothing like they need to cut 400. Now they've already cut those.
1: No. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I hope you, I hope you aren't impacted. I hope that helps with your, your rates. Little bit. people want to follow your journey. They want to follow the journey of a highway angel. Where do I send them on TikTok?
4: Well, I got uh TikTok is Boba Fett is my handle. Um, or you can find me by email. John Adams, 80 at outlook.com. Um, I post a lot of dumb stuff. I have very few followers. Uh, it's not a big deal. I, I think I'm being shadow blocked by TikTok for other reasons, but it's all good. Um, I just like to show people what we experience, you know, in the bathroom thing is (laughs) that's another issue that we deal with. And I I help fight some of that fight with my own company because it's it's getting old that, you know, we're not getting good bathrooms. So I'm glad that law is coming through, too.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Drive safe out there.
4: Thank you, sir. Appreciate you
1: let 's see here got tip the band China India Korea, Vietnam, Belgium, the Czech Republic, France Germany, Italy, the Netherlands Switzerland, the United Kingdom Canada and Mexico more than seven hundred more than twenty seven hundred aIT worldwide just collection experts for station in these countries and of course in offices across the United States and in 2020 twenty twenty three they're adding even more global locations as the organization strives to make it easier than ever for companies to ship between Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and North America if you're ready to create a shipping program as unique as your business as unique as you, you can learn more at aIT. Worldwide.com. All right. Elsewhere. <laughs> I love working dogs. You guys know I have ladders. I never shut up with that. Although I hope that guy's not looking for his ladder. <laughs> Let's just hope he's taking it to where his owner is now. All right. It's, it's Bart Demonk. He's an industry advisor. You, If you don't know this man, you don't know a legend. What's up, Bart?
5: Oh, it's going well. And uh, you made me laugh with these funny videos, but I will say my heart stopped a little bit when I saw that accident. But it's oh, yeah. great to see we have people like John on the road. It makes me as a driver, just of a regular car, so much safer knowing these truckers are out there.
1: Yeah. Highway Angel, too. Just awesome that he stopped. And like, how could you not when you see like the way that white SUV flipped over? But uh, you may be uh, laughing, but I'm envious. You got like some really nice guitars hanging behind you i do
5: i wish i could still play them but i've given that up quite a while ago but i still enjoy looking at them and i still rock out at least in my head
1: what's the prize of your collection
5: uh i wouldn't say a specific prize but i would say the one behind me it's a Gretsch Electromatic, and i love that one i do have a eric clapton black he never played by eric clapton people always think that uh couldn't afford that but it's uh uh, Eric Clapton's probably my favorite guitar player, so that's I would say is, is one of the highlights of my collection.
1: Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, Bart, I got to ask you. I've been looking on LinkedIn, and like I keep getting notifications about Bart. It um, seems like you're you're advising every company on earth now. What's uh, well, first? Let's start with you. What's new? What's been happening in the world of Bart?
5: Yeah, you're so correct. So uh, as you know, I was part of the executive team at Project 44. Uh, And that changed to become a strategic advisor. And that allows me to also advise other companies. So I'm still working quite a bit with Project 44, more on, I would say, fractional basis. and working now with a lot of other great companies, a lot of them that you cover on your show. Uh, And I'm able to collaborate with a lot more people in the industry and, and kind of create value and synergies between all those companies.
1: Interesting. Well, you just wrote an opinion piece on Freight Waves that started out, or was it on Freight Waves? I think it was on Freight Waves, right? I don't know. It came out last year. It it started out saying strikes and other social... Economic events have impacted supply chains in the past few years. Obviously, we all know about the pandemic. Don't need to recycle that. Yellow's the new story. We're currently working through that fallout. Let's start there. What do you think of Yellow, where it stands? Because there's also been some big news. There was what? uh, SD set the Florida by Yellow Terminals for $1.3 billion. Citadel, MFN Partners, they provided $142.5 million in bankruptcy filing, but the filing also says the assets are estimated at 2.15. So that might be a low ball by Estes. I'm not sure. What do you make of all this?
5: Yeah, there's a lot of assets, right? Both on the depot side as well as all the trucks and the drivers. So there's great opportunity for those companies that are still in, in good financial position to acquire parts of, of Yellow. Uh, and I think when you had, I think you have here the headline, who's paying, right, for Yellow's bankruptcy. Yes. Let's not forget, first of all, it's the employees, right? Thirty thousand people, at least for now, losing their job. So my hope is that a lot of these assets will be taken over by other LTL carriers. So at least part of the drivers and the people working at all those depots will continue to have a job. Will continue to have that capacity in the industry.
1: What are you seeing in terms of uh, in terms of fallout fallout out there? What are What are you advising people on in terms of the yellow situation? What have you been advising people on as far as that goes? Yeah,
5: it's, it's a little bit strange because, you know, you're talking and you showed a video, a very funny video, of UPS earlier. And, and although we saw UPS coming quite a while ago, right, um, people started taking, you know, I would say looking at how they model their networks way before then. And so for probably a period of three weeks, I didn't see a single UPS fan in front of my door because Amazon had used other more regional vendors to replace, uh, uh, you know, UPS. Unfortunately, with, with on the LTL side with yellow, people had seen that coming for, I would say, probably a few years, yet no one had kind of made the, the decision to go to other carriers, mainly because they didn't want to necessarily change that or, or maybe because they had such great rates. And although only in a few last weeks did we see kind of the huge volumes going from, I think, something like 49,000 shipments per day dropped to like 10 to 15,000 shipments a day for yellow but most companies until the end stuck with yellow and now all of a sudden they're kind of in a panic going like you know where do we get the rest of our capacity
1: yeah, I'm glad you mentioned regional networks because it plays in a Scooter Sayers. He said this morning, uh, he posted on LinkedIn, he said two carriers who played a significant role in these regional inductions were New Penn in the Northeast and uh, Redaway in the West. Their capacity is gone and the remaining regional carriers are absorbing freight such that they may not be able to handle more consolidations. And that's where I think we're hearing from a lot of shippers out there that they're running into problems. Not everybody is, but in certain regions, it's been really tough.
5: Yeah, you're definitely right. And and now it's even, you know, if you look at the other companies taking over some of the assets, everyone's trying to figure out which part of yellow fits in their network, because there's a lot of things you could acquire and that could completely destroy your own network. Right. So and then it's about the contracts, which contracts do they want to take over? Because I think a lot of companies are afraid to take over contracts that had really, really low LTL rates. So, again, the example is if your rates are too low, it's good for the customer. It's not really good for the profitability of a company. And so all those other companies are really looking into that. So it might take a while before their capacity comes back. But the hope is that a lot of the capacity will be acquired by other companies. And that means more jobs for hopefully the existing uh, drivers out there, um, but also get capacity back to the shippers.
1: Bert, what about the health of some of our friends in Freight Tech? Um, speaking of LinkedIn, you put out a great empathetic mm-hmm. post. There were a lot of people when the Surge news came out about chapter eleven that were they couldn't wait to to dunk on it and and write like some big long spiel about how they would have done this and that better. And and you put this comment and you're like, Hey, a lot of companies go through bankruptcies. It happens and this is a really tough time. Maybe we pick each other up. Let's talk about that a little bit. What's going on with companies like Surge? Yeah, I mean yeah.
5: You said it before, right? the economy, all the things that are happening, everyone's affected by that. The whole logistics industry, whether you're a broker, a 3PL, you're a tech company, everyone feels it. So I think there's a couple of things. And, you know, every economy or every industry sees that. I had the good fortune for a big part of my life to work on the other side, on the shipper side, the manufacturing side, Where you saw every other year, it feels like where you saw big layoffs at companies because they had to restructure because either they didn't make the numbers on the revenue side or cost would go up. And that was seen as very normal. I would say now on the technology side, because we've seen such a boom the last 10 years, that once companies have to restructure because of the economy, because of slower growth and higher costs, that they have to, in many cases, either file for bankruptcy or at least uh, let some people go. And that kind of that restructuring is being looked at with a lot of criticism within the industry, maybe by people that only have been in technology and that don't really realize that that's what companies do to adjust. So I think the great thing is that companies are adjusting, which in the longer run will uh, keep them alive. But I think for all of us, we have to be, you know, not criticizing these companies, but have to be aware that's part of, of life. If you look at most companies How many companies that were founded 20, 30 years ago are still around, right? We talk about large companies been around for 100 years like Yellow, which is an exception. Most companies don't even make it that long. So I think for logistics as an industry and all of us kind of being in it together and feeling the pain, we need to be a little bit more collaborative and supportive of each other rather than criticizing.
1: I would, I would agree with you. Well, this market that we're all in together, is there anything out there you like that you're seeing any, any hope for recovery this coming fall or winter?
5: Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be in the short term. Um, there's a lot of opportunities, right? So there's a lot of opportunities for things to continue to happen for companies to improve. But I think reality is it'll be probably a year or more before things will start getting better. Um, in many cases, that could be an opportunity. So for companies that are very well positioned, they can differentiate, they can beat the competition, uh, but it's doing the right things. And I would say more and more companies are looking, you know, I, I saw that when I started my own advisory company, we're looking for advice, you know, so help people, give them advice. If you're an expert, go out there, tell them, you know, what you think they should do and and they get in, their, in the right position. But what's not, what companies shouldn't do is not do anything, right? You shouldn't. Uh, take the foot off the gas, so to speak. Because in, in any type of recession and freight, we are in a recession, although we're not in a global economic recession, but I would say for freight, we are and we have been for a while. There's always opportunity to come out stronger. Same with 2008, 2009. A lot of companies that did the right things during the recession or invested in technology, invested in new business models, they would come out a lot stronger. So in any adversity, I would say there's also opportunity.
1: I have to agree with the great words, great words, people. You gotta fight through this. Now, Bart, people who wanna connect with you, they want your sage advice, where do I send them to?
5: Easiest is my website, Bartamong.com or Bart at Bartamong.com. If you can spell that B-A-R-T-D-E-M-U-Y-N-C-K. I know not the easiest of names, but yeah, I'm more than happy. I'm connected to quite a few people I'm I'm working with already. And like I said, you know, we have to collaborate. And sometimes for me, that means working with companies just because you believe in them, help them out. You know, not necessarily for your own financial reward, but because you want to help people. And I always I'm of the belief that whatever you do for other people, when things work out and you do good, good things will come on to you. And we just need to stick through this together. I think if we stick through it together as an industry and we collaborate together, then I think we're going to come out of this a lot longer and. I think I wrote it in another article for Freightways where I said, you know, I think when we look at this year and the past few years and 20, 30 years, we're going to say, you know, this was kind of the pivoting time when logistics changed for the better. Uh, you know, kind of that that key area or that key period where we see a lot of things changing and changing for the better.
1: Bart, thank you so much for your time today. Best of luck in, in the new uh, the new advisory roles and enjoy the rest of the summer.
5: Yeah, appreciate it. Always good to be on the show.
1: Take care. Speaking of summer, you might want to beat the heat, but is a shipping container pool a good idea? Let's take a look at one of these things in action. I always thought they dumped it straight in, but when you watch this video, they actually yeah. Can you mute that? Mute, mute, mute the video, please. Yeah, they 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 drop. They cut the shipping container in half. Otherwise, what what's the shipping container? Eight and a half feet? Nine feet? I think it's like eight and a half feet, right? They cut it in half, so you got like a four and a half, five foot pool, but I asked logistics community what they thought of these things, because apparently they're kind of controversial. Some people in shipping thinks that shipping containers should only have freight in them, but Rich Laskowski, he says, that's a death trap for poor swimmers without a raft, unless you're nine feet tall. Rich, they cut the thing in half. It's not nine feet tall. Daily Dan says, What aren't they doing with shipping containers these days? Yeah, they were sure the houses last time, those ones in Chattanooga. Ryan Peterson, he hates when people use shipping containers for anything but shipping from Flexport. He said hard pass. The Tooth Fairy Truther said the good people of Philadelphia were renting roll-off containers and putting in plastic liners to make pools a couple years ago. John Cedar, can't see why not. They're pretty crafty. Nathan Lewis around here, pools are frozen about 10 months a year, so he's going to sit this out. Guardian of the West, absolutely. Mariner, I don't see why not. Jeremy Allen, I give it three years before it rots out and leaks. A lot of haters. Curling in the squat rack, going to rust through the coating. JG, guess it'll be less expensive. Sarcasm is my love language. I'll take one. Just a human. No, it's a waste of carbon-intensive steel. I don't know. Hamish Woodrow, head of strategic analytics at Motive. What do you think of these pools?
2: (laughs) I kind of like them. It's a good way to, you know, revamp my garden.
1: Yeah, I'm all over it. I'd throw one in my backyard. I could use a splash pool. It's been hot out here in Tennessee.
2: Yeah, yeah it's been hot up here, also in, uh, up on the East Coast in New York. Now, before we break down some data, introduce yourself to everybody. Yeah, so my name's Hamish. I work uh, with Motive, been with them for five years. Uh, I head up a team of analysts. We, we work on everything from uh, our safety products, our spend management product, really analyzing all the data coming out of our systems. Um, before Motive spent uh, five years in oil and gas sector, so working the other side, uh, using technology to improve, improve operations um, in different countries around the world.
1: That is so cool. Well, one big topic and one big storyline on here has been the capacity glut. There's way too much capacity. Now, we're going to look at your economic report, and this might actually be somewhat of a good signal if you've stayed in the business, right? This is the change in authorized for-hire carriers. What are we looking at here?
2: Yeah, so what we're looking at is the month-to-month change in the total number of carriers for-hire carriers in North America in the U.S. So what we've been seeing since uh, you know, Q3, Q3, for last year is that we, uh, we've we seen an, a net decrease in the number of carriers every month. Uh, we're talking about a 3,000 uh, to, to 4,000 carriers exiting on net uh, every month. And so in comparison to what we saw in 2020 and 2021, you see this huge spike of uh, blue uh, over those uh, periods of time. That was kind of unprecedented growth. You know, this carrier numbers have grown for the last 10 years at about 5.7% year on year during that 2021 period we saw 27% year over year growth so we had such an influx of carriers and so what we're seeing now through the back end of last year and throughout this year is a constant contraction we're basically on the on the back end of that uh, of that huge spike that we saw during covid of carrier numbers and continue to see contraction as you know rates have stayed low volumes haven't really returned and so that's driving a lot of carriers out of the market
1: yeah the only way to get rates up is for that red to uh, to start pushing down further you'd look at that mountain of blue bars over there but what about this new interstate for higher for higher for higher carriers uh starts what does this tell us
2: yeah so this is uh, the number of companies signing up for the you know, uh dot registrations in in the u.s so what we've been seeing is you know we saw this huge spike driven by by you know high rates low cost of fuel especially back in in 2021 uh creating unit economics, which brought in a lot of carriers, uh, especially carriers with less than five vehicles. We've seen that decrease quite substantially uh, over the last uh, few months. We continue to see it decreasing. And, you know, what we expect happening going through into the rest of the year is a normalization to what we saw back in 2019. When we were seeing five to 6,000 carriers registering per month, we're still up in the high 7,000s. Of carriers registering per month, so we expect that to decline as you know we continue to see the kind of appetite to create new companies in this market uh, kind of wane. When we
1: talk about fleets, there's all different types of fleets out there, but this yeah. chart might help give us some clarity. This is telling us about what size carriers that are leaving the market.
2: Yeah, and so this is actually an interesting trend, and and you know it makes sense when we when we look at the fundamentals of the business. But what we've seen through the start of the year is the majority of carriers exiting at the start of the year about you know 87 percent which were carriers with less than five vehicles um that trend has uh, changed through the first half of this year so we now see uh, that reduced down to 83 percent of carriers uh, contributing with less than five vehicles contributing to this net decline in total c- capacity in the market so we're seeing larger companies being the ones that are going out of business we've seen an increase in growth in that and, and that makes sense. You know, when you look at this, uh, the spot rates and the diesel retail diesel prices, that hits the smallest carriers hardest first. And that, you know, started last year when we uh, were right at the start of the freight recession. And as contract rates have come down and, and also the uh, companies have started to um, see the rack diesel prices, especially through last year, and overall the operation costs in larger companies come uh, to be a, a serious problem. You've started to see this growing trend of, uh, of the larger companies being impacted and with uh, the smaller companies uh, having been impacted much earlier on.
1: You know, on Wednesday, I was talking to Rachel Premack about truck deliveries at Target. Their earnings had come out since then. Yeah. Walmart's earnings have come out as well, and they're telling sort of a tale of two different pictures. But let's look at big box retail in general. What does the data say here?
2: Yeah, so a bit of context in this data. So we we have hardware, uh, essentially IoT devices installed in a good proportion of trucks moving around North America. And so every time they visit a distribution facility, we, we mark that visit. We can see how long they spend there. And so this is an aggregate look at the top 50 retailer distribution centers in, in North America. And so we, what we have here in, in the bold black line is uh, where we are in 2023. And so we've been hovering around 15 to 20% year-over-year year decline compared to the 2022 line. And, um, and what we saw was July 4th actually drove a lot of traffic, uh, last-minute traffic coming into these retailer facilities. And so that was the first kind of positive sign that we've seen all year. But the reality is it didn't stick around. We've now seen a, a large drop in the weeks after July 4th of volumes uh, and the number of visits coming to these retailers are dropping significantly. And so we're back again at this 15 to 16% year-over-year year decline. At the end of the day, what we're looking at is is H two doesn't look like we have strong volumes in uh, coming in to the retailers. When we're seeing a very hesitant retailer, not wanting to bring in a lot of um, a lot of goods to the to their distribution facilities, especially early on. And you can see that in July fourth, where it was pretty muted until the last week. And t- typically, we see the run up to July fourth, uh, the weeks beforehand, we see a ramp in volume, but. This year, we saw it just in the last week. So really, with uh, you know more capacity in the market, that's allowing retailers to wait till really the last minute, wait till demand is almost there, and and then bring in inventory. So so what we're seeing is is really just not a restocking uh, happening on the retailer side.
1: Interesting. Well, what about e-commerce? It was such a big driver, it was such a big yeah. run up through the years. You see this gigantic spike that happened in the pandemic as all the people who didn't know how to use Amazon finally figured out how to use the Amazon app. But it's since kind of plateaued. It's really highly elevated, but it's plateaued.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, from a, from my perspective, as I look at it, this fascinating trends coming out of this, uh, you know, as we normalize out of the pandemic, you know, we created such a structural change in society. And here's one, you know, e-commerce has very static growth over over more than a decade of uh, of year-over-year growth, and, and the pandemic just drove, uh, you know, massive growth. But what we see is is a trend almost in society of going back to over time to to where we were before, and so we are starting to retrace the long-term growth patterns of the e-commerce trends here. Um, and so we we took a step change through 2021, basically stabilized for for the last year and a half, basically, and starting to see a little bit of growth coming back again. And that's that's pretty similar, actually, analogous to how we think about also like the carrier market in terms of we saw huge influx, you know, growth that we'd never seen in carrier numbers uh, happening in 2021, uh, just created out of an environment and a, a way that we were operating society that just won't persist into the future. And so what we're seeing now is really the back end of that. What's like the normalization back to our long term growth trends?
1: Interesting. Well, I, since you were so kind of share so many charts, I have one for you. This is Daily Truck Visits by Business. Target's the blue line. The pink line yeah. is Walmart. Anything interesting you see there?
2: Yeah, so uh, this is an interest. So, you know, uh, we saw uh, Target has been really, like, heavily going after inventory. You see that they've, you know, decreased, I think, 15% year over year their inventory volumes. Um, and so what I'm seeing a lot with, uh, with Walmart, Walmart has a much more diversified um, sort of uh, inventory stock compared to, to, um, to Target. So we've seen more support through most of the year. But I think what you're going to continue to see is a hesitancy. And that's probably what you're seeing right now from Walmart is declines in the second half of the year. You know, we've gone through what is a mid-year spike uh, in July and I think, you know, demand was somewhat there, but it's, uh, there's not enough confidence, especially from your purchasing manager side of, of H2 demand. So I think you're seeing a lot more risk aversion. You're going to see, um, purchasing managers, inventory managers be much more conscious of what they're bringing in and also just erring on the side of, uh, of, um, you know, less risk, uh, cost of capital is, is expensive right now you you need to conserve cash and so you, how you manage inventories is really important and so you know i think you'll you've seen chart changes in different companies over different periods of time you know certain goods uh, are stronger and more robust especially that's probably ha- helped walmart over the last six months um uh, but i think again looking towards age two there's not a lot of optimism out there from a from an inventory side you know just look at the logistics managers index that came out in july again recorded you know another fifth uh, month of record declines um, uh, and low levels so there's not a lot of confidence about bringing in inventory and, and the main strategy right now is reduce what inventory you have you don't want to get stuck with too much and that's what the trends that I'm seeing and I think you'll see that happen through most uh, most of the large suppliers Hamish thank
1: you so much for your time today everyone go check out motive go check out their August freight data freight recession quarterly report you can see all those charts in there and you can share them with your your friends thanks for your time thanks a lot. Take it easy. All right, everybody, a little good news, bad news before we send you home. I uh, have news and good
0: news.
1: Jeez, I hope John uh, is nearby, be the highway angel there. Let's see a little good news, bad news, and beverage delivery. Roll this tape. Let's see what we're looking at here. What a way to
5: start your day. First thing in the morning, you open the door to your Coke trailer, and you see that there's been a pilot of two liters that fell over in the back of your trailer on your way to your first stop. Uh, no truck driver ever gets excited when they see spilled pilots in the back of their truck. But you know what? I've got a positive attitude. This could have been a whole lot worse. Thankfully, none of these two liters were busted, so it only took me about 10 minutes to clean this mess up, restack that pilot, and put some wrap around it and move on about my day, man.
1: Ryan, he's a beverage guy. He says, them 12 packs are still standing up straight, which means this boy is just an amateur at dumping his load on the trailer. For real, though, that's one of the worst ways to start the day. I'd have to agree with that. That looks terrible. You know what can be one of the worst ways to start your day, though? Not doing a pre-trip inspection, which I don't think this man did on his donkey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I hope his back is okay. David Newell said my safety department just called me because I didn't log one yesterday. Maybe because my truck was in two different shops getting worked on the day before, and your truck probably wasn't uh, a donkey. Uh, I don't know if I have time for truck first train. We do have time for truck versus bridge. Let's go to truck versus bridge. I know truck first train. I always promise that one, and I just never have time for it. Holy! What the? Thing just got totally can open here. Brian Price says, heck of an effort to get that far into the bridge. Tricky Mike's, uh, Tricky Mix says, full send at a high speed. Data two roadside. Hey, remember those guys? They took us on that trip. He said, my GPS freaks when a bridge is lower than my settings or on a non-truck road. I'm always shocked by these bridge strikes. Me too. Chase said, this is what happens when you get too used to lying about your size. Hey, hey. Matthew Leffler. Hey now, Matthew Leffler says, I wish they would stop lowering those viaducts. John Galtz is uh, sort of not a cat. That's going to be at least $50,000 for tone recovery alone, let alone by the time the state looks at that bridge, they'll want their cut, too. And AmeriCats is the best advice. Measure twice, drive under once. LOL. Hey, find me on Twitter. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find the show at FW. What the truck? Subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Take care. Have a good weekend, and don't be a stranger.